My name is Jan Welch, and welcome to episode 14 of the Then and Now Blading podcast featuring Tom Moyes. Tom is the creator of a super funny, really amazing YouTube channel that blends inline skating and his unique English sense of humor. He's creating some really great skating content. It's very positive. It's very humorous. Super enjoyable to watch, and I'm a huge fan of everything he's doing within our sport right now. I want to talk to Tom about how he got into YouTube, what his plans are with the channel, and what his future holds. We cover his history within the sport. We talk about living in London. We talk about where he grew up. We cover a lot of different topics. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, make sure and hit the like button. Subscribe to this channel. If you haven't already, hit the bell icon to be notified of all new uploads. Make sure to leave any comments in the comments area below. And follow me on social media. I have links to my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram in the description below, as well as links to a PayPal donation page if you want to support this channel, as well as a Patreon page where you can get exclusive access to content not available on this channel, from videos to photos to audio from my past collections that spans 20 years plus of inline skating. Anyway, let's get started with this interview with Tom Moyes on the Dead and Now Blading podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Jan Welch, and my guest today is Tom Moyes. You might know him from his blading news show called Watch, Listen, and Consume. He also does a show called Deals on Reels and The Hot Take, which is seems to be a very popular show these days with lots of awesome content. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you today? All right. Yeah, I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing really cool. It's uh, the first time I've interviewed a fellow bearded ginger. Yeah, I think people might assume this is a podcast about LARPing or uh, ZZ Top or something now. <laughs> it's quite possible, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now you've trimmed your beard up. You look nice yeah. and proper. I look a little bit more wild style. And you cut your hair. What, uh, what made the change? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I had, I think I had the mullet for maybe about a year. Um, my girlfriend hated it from the moment that I got it. My mum hated it. She, she actually said it was disgusting. My sister shared a similar view of it. I think the only person that liked it out of my family, the only female in my life that liked it was uh, my auntie for some reason. I don't know why, but she was quite fond of it. Um, yeah, and it just, it just became way too much. It was too much to handle. I've had like quite thick hair as well so it was a lot to sort out in the mornings and looks mildly presentable so yeah I had to go I did enjoy it though and I would have it back did you donate it to charity <laughs> no no I didn't donate it maybe I should have cut it off and uh, supplied it to somebody's wig and do you trim up your own beard or do you go to a specialist oh yeah yeah I go to a specialist barber he's the one that kind of semi-convinced me to keep going for the mullet but then when he when I arrived there and he'd seen it, he was like, yeah, it was time. It was time to let the mullet go. Did you have uh, ever have long hair that wasn't in a mullet form? Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, when I was about 21, I grew my hair out quite long. And then just before I shaved that, I actually shaved in a mullet for a little while. But that, I think that only lasted about a week before my mum was like, you can't leave the house anymore looking like that. So that had to go as well. <laughs> yeah, I used to have really long hair, like down to here. Oh, and my shit. beard was as long, so I looked like a Viking. That was back in San Diego. <laughs> but 
it was my hair. If I don't take take care of it every day, it just dreads up really bad. So having it that long, yeah. Was a, was a I actually, I've um, I have actually had dreads at some point as well. <laughs> I've had quite a lot. I've had pretty much all the haircuts going. I definitely tried to copy Alex Broskow's hair at one point. You know, when he had those little like fringe bits. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. somebody somebody described it as the pineapple haircut. Yeah, I definitely had hair like that for a little bit. I actually just found a folder on one of my hard drives of a bunch of portraits of Broskow with that haircut. Oh, wow. So I'll actually, I'll flash one of them on the screen here during this interview so people can <laughs> see what you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah. It's really funny. Have you had the most different hairstyles uh, in your crew? Yeah, yeah, almost definitely. I think most people stick to their one or two hairstyles, and I've had them all apart from I've never had a mohawk. I don't think I will. I mean, Shima tempted me a little bit, but I never committed to it. I don't think there's been many mohawks in blading that have lasted longer than a couple months. And there hasn't been any like proper mohawks, like, you know, Liberty Spikes or, yeah, I mean, yeah, there may have been, but not in a, not from any pros. You know, yeah, I'm sure there's some skaters rocking some Liberty Spikes around the world somewhere, but you know yeah maybe that's uh that's the next new move to make like get yourself some visibility and what city do you live in uh so i live in london at the moment but uh i'm originally from jersey in the channel islands i don't know if you've ever heard of it so there's like a little group of islands jersey is the biggest one uh we're closer to france than we are to the uk but we're still part of the uk okay yeah I've, yeah, yeah i've heard of it but i'm not too familiar with it and is that where you yeah. started skating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, really small islands, loads of beaches. I actually started the first kind of extreme sport that I was into was surfing. And that was because of my dad. So my dad still surfs to this day. He's like 70 years old. And he's like a little kid with his mates. Like they'll ring the house at like five in the morning when like the swell's really big and there's really good waves coming through and he'll get dead excited and stuff like that. So that's really cool. That's really big inspiration for me. Yeah, so he's the one who taught me and my sister how to surf when we were really really little probably I imagine before we could even walk properly so slightly dangerous on his part but yeah from that I then started roller skating like quad skating just going to like roller discos with my friends and stuff which I kind of had half forgotten about but then my mum reminded me of it recently and there's a few pictures floating around so I'll have to try and dig those out and then my, it was my cousin and my sister who started uh, blading first and they had our FX2s. I think it was the FX2s, the ones with like the yellow buckle on them. And then I was like, I wanted to join in with them. So I got some like really cheap rec skates because I, I don't really like my mum. Well, I didn't like my mum really spending too much money on my time. Some sort of weird thing that I have. So yeah, I got a pair of them. Then we used to like just blade up and down this uh, like cycle track that we have in Jersey all the time. And there was a few wax ledges, I assume, from like skateboarders and stuff. So we started trying to do slides and stuff like that before I'd even seen a video and really knew what grinding was. Maybe my cousin knew about it, but he certainly didn't tell me and just like, and then it just escalated from there, basically. Cool. What's the first video you remember watching? The first video would have been uh, Team Rosies. I think that was, what was that like? Did that come out? I think that came out in 97, but I wouldn't have watched it until I was like, properly into aggressive skating in 98. Yeah, I watched that again recently. There's this really funny clip in it of uh, Tom Fry when he's in the uh, Rosie's warehouse and he's going through the skates and he opens one box and he's like, oh, 
this is the most important part of the box, the toilet paper, because once you see the skates, you shit your pants. And that <laughs> stuck with me as a kid. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So definitely. how old are you now? I am 37. 37. So <laughs> yeah. you were would have been about like 12 or something when you were first aggressive skating? Uh, 40, I think, yeah, 14 when I originally started. It was actually, I kind of say the first day was my cousin's birthday. I'm going to say it was his ninth birthday, maybe. Maybe it was his 10th. And we all went to like a skate park in Jersey, one of the like temporary skate parks that we had. And I, yeah, I count it from that day. So 14. How many people live on Channel Islands and like in Jersey? How, I mean, is it a big population? Is the um, town big? Um, so it's 100,000 now. But I can remember when I was young and they did census checks and stuff like that, it was like 90,000. So I don't, I don't know if that is a lot. I mean, people always say, do you know everybody? But you know, I don't know 100,000 people. Yeah, I mean, I live but, in a um, village of 5,000 people and I don't know anybody, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> um i mean it it can feel busy sometimes it's funny whenever my girlfriend comes to visit she's just like there's no one here there's never anyone here it's just like it depends where you go really so your girlfriend still lives in jersey no no so my girlfriend uh she lives here in london but okay. when uh, when she comes back with me to visit and stuff oh like that. i see okay yeah yeah how long has it been since you moved to london from jersey um i think it's it's coming up in about 10 years Maybe it's just gone 10 years, yeah. So like the, the prime of your skating, was that in Jersey itself? Or was it when you moved to London? Yeah, I think it was probably I think it was probably in Jersey. Although a couple of years ago I felt like I was doing a lot more tricks than I had done before. Like I increased my vocabulary quite a lot. But if I don't skate all the time, I become really, really like inconsistent in skating. I have to like st- be skating like all the time to like keep the keep the tricks that I have otherwise they just disappear very quickly what was the skate scene like in Jersey when you were there yeah it was cool um like when we first started skating there was a few older lads um one of the guys who run the skate park that he was a blader uh Chris Mosdale I think his dad wheels on Instagram that's one of his Instagrams anyway so I think he chats to quite a lot of people in the groups and stuff like that so maybe some people know him his dad run it and I think actually interesting story his dad had something to do with designing the logo for puberty. I don't know if you ever remember that. It was like an old Yeah, I remember UK. puberty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His dad had something to do with doing the logo or printing it or something like that. An interesting sidetrack story. But um, yeah, so there was a few older skaters. It was definitely, it was definitely more popular in the 90s and like as blading fizzled out across the world, it fizzled out quite dramatically in Jersey. So I mean, I'd spend the majority of my time skating with my cousin and then a few others here and there, like the people, I mean, there's probably maybe three people in Jersey that still rollerblades at the moment. One of them being my cousin, Chris, Mitchell Evans sometimes, <laughs> uh, and a few others here and there, I guess, randomly. Dad Wills asked a question. I forgot what it was. I think he asked yeah, what the best Chris, fish, yeah. fish shop was in a... The best fish shop. <laughs> the best fish shop in Jersey. <laughs> uh, the best fish and chip shop. Uh, yeah. I reckon it's probably the one in Gorey. I imagine that's the one he lives closest to as well. Yeah, they do pretty good. Uh, they do pretty good chips and curry sauce. <laughs> nice. I going back to puberty. The first interview I did for this show was with Chris Peel, who oh, was sick, from yeah. you know outside Leeds, and he did a lot of the early yeah. work for puberty as well. So we got a you know a little yeah, connection that's... with that as well. 
Yeah, so Chris is originally from Wakefield, which is where rehab was. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, my memory's pretty bad, so. Yeah, Chris lived with me for, well, he lived with me two different times in San Diego. Once when he came out in his internship to work at Daily Bread. Yeah. And then once when he moved back to San Diego to actually work for Daily Bread, he lived with me for a while too. So what was your very first aggressive skate setup? My very first aggressive skate was um, Inliner Vertex. And I don't even think they had a sole plate, not a proper sole plate anyway, as I remember it. And they had these really big grind plates, really thick grind plates and a power strap. I remember like being really into power straps, thinking that was like the best thing ever. But yeah, they were the first ones that I ever had. I definitely replaced those uh, grind plates with the glow in the dark puberty grind plates as well. They're ridiculous. So funny that they used to exist. I don't even know if I've seen those skates. It's kind of an off-brand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely a rip-off of something else. What but, was your um, first proper skates you had? Uh, the Solomon ST8, I'm going to say. Yeah, they were definitely ones. And that was like, that was a real treat. I must have got those for my birthday or something. And my cousin got the same skates as well. Cool, I had those skates as well. I loved them. Oh, yeah. I don't think I appreciated them at the time. I was just like, oh, because I was new to Rodland. I was like, oh, yeah, these look cool. I had seen loads of, like, good skaters around them. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get these. Definitely didn't appreciate how, like, amazing they were for the time and everything like that some kid i can remember wearing them to the skate park i think it was the first day i had them and obviously the older kids knew about them and like they knew they had like a maybe a really big shock absorber in them or something he was like oh let, let's try your skates on so i can jump off this roof i was like what i've only just got these skates and some like older kids trying to get them off me so he can jump off a roof i was like eventually he might i guess he peer pressured me into like letting him do it that's and he funny did it. I think he fell, actually. <laughs> is there any footage of it? No, 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 no. There is footage from those days, so skating in that skate park. And me, me and my cousin had, like, a tiny little section in it called Solomon Kids. <laughs> I can't remember what tricks we did. Maybe, like, at that age, maybe a tree mizzy or something. I don't did know. you guys used to them. film your sessions back then? Um, the older boys used to film themselves we didn't really get into it we did get uh we did start filming when we were a little bit older like uh, like getting more into our later teens and stuff like that i got a camera i think my cousin got a camera and we started a thing called skate log where we would just like film stuff like randomly all the times but i have no idea what happened to that footage no idea i'm pretty sure it's lost that's a bummer yeah there'd be some pretty interesting interesting skate spots and interesting clothing choices and probably some interesting haircuts as well probably some footage of me in dreads with two different skates on because i went through a phase of like remember when sagona had two different color skates yeah that's exactly what i was thinking yeah i took it to the next level i had two different brand skates i had one sagona and one shima 2 i think it was a shima 2 because i preferred the groove on the shima 2 on my right foot and that i had the sagona's new so i kept the left boot (laughs) ridiculous that was the same sagona phase when he had the one sleeve out of his shirt too right yeah 100 i did that as well <laughs> i never got around to putting a t-shirt on my head though no maybe i'll get into that maybe it's coming back well you I guys don't like... have any sun there right so you don't have to oh yeah in jersey it's really sunny oh really jersey... oh yeah that's right on the and the water there yeah. well i mean it's, it's a little bit more sunny than the uk <laughs> definitely and, uh, and when you moved to London, how did you integrate into the skate scene there? Did you already know people before you went there or was it hard? No, no, I had like, uh, not really. Like I knew some Jersey kids who were over here. 
but I didn't, uh, none of them, none of them rollerbladed. Um, I'm like quite an introverted person as well. And I get quite, well, I used to, I still do a bit actually. I get a bit nervous when I skate with lots of people, which is happening more and more. And the more I do these videos, the more people want to skate with me, <laughs> which is like sometimes a bit nerve wracking. Well, it takes like a lot of my energy, but I'm getting used to it and stuff. But yeah, I used to just, I used to skate on my own quite a lot. And then one of my pals from Jersey, Pete, Pete Neil, he moved over. So we used to skate every now and then as well. And then, but like, I guess more so now, uh, through the videos and stuff like that, people want to connect with me and stuff. And uh, I just meet people skating out on my own. Like I don't mind skating on, on my own sometimes. You skating mainly uh, street or park? Yeah, a lot of street. I prefer to skate street. And that makes it sound like I'm really proficient at skating street. I'm not. Uh, I just prefer, I, I just prefer skating on the street. I think it's more fun. Although I definitely need to skate park more often. I know London's also a really big city for urban skating and big wheel blading. Have you gotten into that at all? No, I want to I wanna pick up a pair of like MTs or something like that and do that. And there's a, there's a, cause actually I live right next to a park called uh, Burgess Park. And there's like, um, I don't know if it's specifically for rollerbladers or stuff. There's just like this big area where people seem to congregate now. So there's like quad skaters, urban skaters. I think I've seen a guy on Wizard Blades as well. I want to get a pair of those as well and dip into that, definitely. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Someone should be sending you some uh, products. Do you get any free products through your show? Uh, I get I get sent a fair bit of clothes every now and then from very generous people, which is cool. But yeah, if uh, MT or Wizard or anybody wants to send me some skates, yeah, go for it. Yeah, hook up Tom. He's going to make a cool edit out of it, I know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> It'd definitely be different to everybody else's, that's for sure. What's your current skate setup? Uh, so at the moment, I have the Pat Ridders. Uh, I have, I was running them flat for a bit, but then I got a little bit nervous trying this trick. I had a trick in mind that I wanted to do. And so I went back to Featherlight Freeze, which I've ridden for like ages. But the noise from anti-rockers is so boisterous. It's really, it's really offensive. And so if like when I went out, we were skating the other day with like Bauer and Croft and all them lot. And Joe Spray was like, on his bike and he could hear my anti-rocker so he, he's like are you, are you riding anti-rocker i was like yeah sorry about that could you hear it it's so loud what's your favorite all-time favorite skate setup probably the solomons i had and i definitely didn't i definitely didn't appreciate it at the time but i'd like to go back to them and and that's kind of part of the reason why like me and my cousin were so excited about the ridders because they were like influenced the like color scheme and stuff like that it was like oh no way this is so cool so probably if it wasn't them, it'd be it'd be the Ridders, just because like it's so good that them have been able to like collaborate with intuition and it makes such such a difference. I think um there was an interview with uh Leon Basin and he was saying like you should basically design the liner first and then design the skate around the liner because the comfort is like the most important thing. So it's so like it's so good that them have this thing going on with intuition now. So I really like that skate for that reason. The skates solid. look amazing. Yeah, visually, like, beautiful. It's really cool how with the old Solomon boots now, there's people making all those 3D printed parts for them, so you can actually have your modern parts on those old boots. Yeah, you know, yeah. The sole plates and everything, like, that'd be fun to try. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to try that. I know a lot of people do. What is your favorite trick to do? Like, what's your go-to trick? 
Oh, um, I'm a massive fan of back talks. Not grabbed because I can't be bothered to grab it. Depends what mood I'm in, but yeah, mostly freestyle back talks. I love it. I just love one footed grinds. I like the way it feels. I like the way it looks, especially like maybe I don't do it that good all the time, but the times when you get it and you just your other leg just doesn't move and stuff, I love it. And I think it's so good. I think it's such a good trick to like budget out, budget like switch out of as well. I love that whole movement. What skater from the past had the best no grab back torques? Jeff Stockwell. Yeah, definitely. I was funny enough, I was watching, um, what was he watching? Still this video. He's got like, actually there's, there's tons of talks in that. It's very talk heavy and I like it. I've been trying to figure out, someone asked me a question, which was who did the first ever budget combo? And I know Stockwell did a lot. Rob G, yeah, yeah. Northway, Connor O'Brien, you know, murder. But I'm like, who did the first one? Who do you think did the first one? I'm going to go, I'd put my money on Stockwell if I had to, just because I've seen him do it. Yeah, him or Northway. I was a big fan of their skating. I think they, they looked quite similar as well, probably. They skated yeah. a lot. Back then, they almost looked identical. Back in <laughs> early, you know, early days of, what, like 2001 or something yeah. like that. Like, they were skated all the time, so they had a very similar style, and they were both so good. Oh, yeah, really good. I mean, they're both still good, so, you know, it's not yeah, like it's yeah. changed. Um. And let me see. So right now it's winter time in the UK. How often are you able to get out and skate? What's the weather been like? Um, recently it's been really dry. So it's been quite good. Um, and it tends, to, it tends to dry up quicker in the city. And I know a lot of the boys and girls like to, like to skate the city. There's definitely loads of spots around there. And you can just kind of skate around from spot to spot and you will eventually find things, especially like, in this day and age where skating is kind of broadening its horizon slightly and like it's more acceptable or people want to see you skate different stuff more so they're not always looking for like the most typical objects and stuff like that you know like there's plenty of ledges and rails around but like what else is there what is there like some weird like natural bank here or something or like i don't know you know when like a tree's growing out of the pavement and it creates like a little bit of a bank is like oh this is there something i can fly off from that i like that kind of stuff so yeah tent, people tend to go towards the city if it's a bit wet because that dries up quicker there is a few there's a few uh indoor skate parks there's obviously bay um and then there's one near my house called white grounds but honestly it's it stinks we're allowed to swear on this because it's we're allowed to swear. Or you I can swear. Damien Wilson set a precedent of swearing. <laughs> he set the levels. Yeah, well, yeah, this place absolutely stinks to high heaven, like piss so bad. Like piss, Red Bull, weed, and pigeon shit. But it's like, and it, you know what? It doesn't even stay that dry when it rains because it's under a bridge and it leaks. But there's that if you're really desperate, I guess. What do you do for work? Uh, well, so I don't actually work at the moment because I jacked, jacked in my job recently. But uh, for like the last 15 years and kind of leading on from what I did at university, uh, I'm normally a digital content manager. So I just look after content online, whether that be for products or like services and stuff like that. Last job I had a digital content manager for a company called Jellyfish. So I used to work, I used to have like loads of clients, like Nike was one of my clients, Toolstation, Walgreens was one of my clients, uh, 
Eventbrite, a few other people like that. And what we'd do is we'd sit down with them, create an editorial brief with them, like work out a tone of voice, like work out who their customers were and like how we should be speaking to them, do all that with them. And then uh, I would also find freelance writers and editors and like manage all that process. And then it was a lot of like heavy editing on my part as well and like quality assurance and stuff like that. But um, I left that because I kind of prefer working in-house and like working just for one client instead. It was good though. It was a really fun experience. Like I was working in the Shard, which I mean, I don't know if you've heard of, but it's pretty, a relatively iconic building in London. It looks like a massive Shard of Glass. So yeah, I have, really cool. I've seen that when I was there. Yeah, it's wicked. Yeah, it's uh, like un- unbelievable views like every day. It's crazy. And then how but long yeah, has it been since you've been working? Um, so I quit at the end of November. So I've been off for like two months. That's not too bad. A job, sort of. Uh, to be honest, I've just mostly been doing more videos and I've been really enjoying it. Yeah, I've seen that. Did uh, that job you have give you some experience with doing the YouTube work? No, none at all. Like I was trying to think what if I've had any experience with video before. Like I did one module at uni. And that was like my favorite mon- module. And we had to like make up a TV show. So while we made up like a television, online television sales show thing called, what was it? It was maybe called more Hound for Your Pound, which is maybe not the best name. But yeah, we made a little video and we were like selling stolen DVDs through our uh, TV shopping channel. That was quite fun. But then, yes, since then I've not, I've not done anything with it. I mean, what sets your show aside from, well, there's three kind of blading news shows right now, right? There's This yeah. Week in Blade, there's Blader News, and then there's Watch, Listen, and Consume, which is you. And what sets yours aside is the comedy aspect of it. It's funny, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. It's just not straight up news, you know? It's like, it's, yeah. it makes you laugh. Now, is that something you have, did you do any comedy in your life before that? Or is that just something new with the show? No, that's just me being me i've never done comedy professionally i died oh, i wouldn't have the bottle to and also all my friends are definitely funnier than me i think it's just maybe it's like english sense of humor and like you kind of take the piss out of each other quite a lot and you get used to that and just being quite quick-witted not that i am but my people around me are like like just so funny and i think you in the uk you grow up like that it's like a, quite a uk sense of humor well, it definitely works with you and it's awesome. I love it. We- yeah, kind of with the shows, I always just wanted them to be natural. I didn't want to, it's just going to work out so much easier for me if I, I'm the person I am. I don't have to pretend to be anything else. It's just like, let's just do this. This is how I speak about rollerblading normally. This is how I would speak about rollerblading if I was with my cousin and stuff like that. Like, yeah, pretty much it's like the conversations I would have with my cousin when we were out skating, but then I record them instead now and maybe dance around in front of a green screen a little bit more and also it was like the news show I didn't want it to be I didn't want it to be like a list show because everybody's on Instagram anyway so potentially everybody's seen this news before so they want like they kind of want your take on it and it to be well to be fun and interesting so it, like I kind of use the news as excuses to maybe veer off and talk about thing, other things or like, well, just say something silly, pretty much. Talk about crisps. I tend to reference crisps quite a lot. What are your favorite crisps? Uh, roast beef and mustard Brannigans, but they're like, Ooh. they've been discontinued. 
but you can Sounds still amazing. oh yeah they're, oh, they're unbelievable and they're quite like a, they're a quite a thick chip or crisp oh my god they had some great flavors and they used to have a the front the, the cover of the packet was like a it was like a butcher with this huge mustache um what was I gonna say yeah they were they were phenomenal but you can't get them anymore so you have to like you can still get them off like ebay people have like old packets of them <laughs> so you can get them there if you're really desperate have you been desperate enough to order some <laughs> not yet but maybe soon though so for your shows what's your process do you script them at all or is it just all freestyle when you're in front of the screen and you know getting all your materials for the screen like what's your process when you do i'm sure it's a little bit different from hot take versus watch this to consume but yeah what's your process say with watch this to consume we'll talk about that first with what system consumes, so it's, I guess I have to be on my phone quite a lot on Instagram. Instagram's generally my main source of like the news first. So if I see stuff in the week, I'll normally just like hit the save tab and put it in like a little folder. Uh, and if there's anything like I think, oh, I'm really going to forget this or something, I'll write it down. Like if I see it somewhere else, I'll just like write it down like a little notepad on my computer. Like I'll remember to talk about this. Then on like Friday night, I'll go through the saved and like have points of the things I have to remember, like just, just like the Titan and stuff like that. And then I basically wing it. <laughs> I just, I set up the studio Saturday morning, either in my lounge or in my bedroom. And I just wing it. Like I just, I say whatever comes to my mind, like at the time, like sometimes uh, when I see something for the first time in the week, I'll have thought of something like my instant reaction and I can generally, I can generally remember that. So yeah, I just ring it, and I feel, I feel like that works for me the best because that's the way it feels more organic to do it that way. And like sometimes I say, I'll just say something, like I'll be like riffing, and I'll just say something completely stupid, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna leave that in now. But yeah, no, no, it's no, no more contrived than that. It's just like, go in there. Here's your point. Say it with the like with the uh, video section where I'm talking about the edits of the week and stuff. I'll generally have them on my laptop and I watch them again just before I chat about them so then I, like it feels fresh in my mind and stuff like that how much do you cut out you said you edited up a little bit how much are you cutting out of your dialogue um not massive amounts but there's definitely some times where like what I stutter quite a lot sometimes and I'm like oh I kind of used to I used to leave that in because I thought it was like oh this is kind of just natural in how I do it but then sometimes I'm like oh god I've got I've really got to get rid of that uh, and then sometimes maybe I lose the run of myself and go off on a tangent and talk about other shit that's just totally unrelated to rollerblading too much. I'm like, nobody's going to understand this. I wonder like how many people actually get the references. I like some of them are just well, that some of them are very British, mm -hmm. and some of them are quite niche to me and my friends and stuff. Like nobody will understand. I know that <laughs> there's definitely a lot of English references, which some of them yeah. I know from just watching. You know, British comedy and stuff, but <laughs> but generally, yeah. uh, you you have some you know catchphrases. The main yeah. one being "spotty dog." What yeah. is the reference and history of that phrase for you? So "spotty dog" started with my dad. It's like something that he used to just say, like every now and then. And then me and my cousin kind of cottoned onto it, and we started. I guess we kind of started saying it ironically to begin with when we were skating because we thought it was funny because like didn't really hear anybody else saying it and because my dad was obviously older than me uh, we were like oh it's something that like 
older people say, what parents say, and we just found it a bit odd and funny, so we started saying it. And then we said it so much, we were like, oh, actually, this is kind of into this, this is quite funny. And it's expanded to the point where, like, my cousin's friends now say it all the time. And they were like, where has this come from? Because I always assumed that, like, everybody said it. Because my dad said it. I was like, oh, everybody must say that. Like, every parent must say this. But I don't think that's true. I think it's quite rare. But, yeah, sorry, so he started saying it. And it, it means, like, good. You kind of throw it in at the end of a sentence. Or, like, yeah, it means good. Or something's amazing. Awesome. So yeah, I started just using it. I felt like, oh, it felt like a natural way to end the show. It's been like spotty dog. <laughs> and now you have the spotty dog shirt that's yeah, available yeah, yeah. through Beehive Skate Shop in the US. Yeah, yeah. And you're wearing it right now. Yeah, yeah. Did you give one to your dad? Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> I think I think he was slightly confused at first. But yeah, yeah, he seems to like it. I find it hilarious that like there's people like, I guess, all over the world, that may be an, an over-exaggeration, but like in America, certainly, that's now say spotty dog. And that's something my dad, that's come from my dad, essentially. <laughs> it is pretty funny because that's definitely going to be a word you're going to hear all the time, which you've coined within the sport. So that's your stamp on blading, the spotty dog phrase. Yeah. <laughs> when I meet people, quite well, a fair few people have asked me to say it to them and stuff like that. Does your dad watch your show? No, I, I doubt it. Maybe he's seen one or two if I forced him to, or if I've said something, like if there's a reference that I think he might understand, I'll probably, I'll probably show it to him. Now, what motivated you in the first place to even start a YouTube channel? Um, so I'd been, I'd been thinking about it for ages because I just didn't, like Mushroom Blading have their commentary, which I like, re, like the dynamic between them two is so good and it's so funny, but they do... It tends to do more like classic videos and the older videos. And I was like, oh, this that's cool. But like, there's enough, I didn't see anybody doing it for whatever the current edits were that were coming out. And I was like, it's cool that people share them, but I was like, I'm sure I can do more than just share this edit. And like, it was one of those things as well. It like, uh, I wasn't skating with my cousin all the time. So I wasn't talking to him all the time. Like my girlfriend doesn't want to hear about skating. And like, so I was like, why don't I just, why don't I just make a video? Why don't I just talk about this video like I would talk about it to my friends or like my cousin or whatever, and then see what happens from there. And it was it was specifically the first one I did was when Derek Henderson got his first pro model. I did that one just because I thought that edit was so good, and I was like, this this definitely like it deserves more attention. Not that it was going to come from me from my first video, but like it was a start, you know. So I was like, let's do it, and then here we are now. And that's, was that the Deals on Reels? No, so that one was a reaction video to the edit for his first skate. Deals on Reels, which became Deals on Wheels, didn't come until a lot later. So I think it was, I actually started it in 2020, in the middle of 2020, but then I did a few and then I stopped for a while. And then uh, there's a guy called, there's a brand over here called Pomelo and Cal's the owner. And like, we used to chat quite a bit. And he'd noticed that I'd stopped and he was like, what are you doing? Like, you've got to, you've got to start doing these again. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to. I was just like, I don't know, I just got busy or something, although I wasn't feeling particularly inspired. But yeah, he kind of like gave me a nudge to start it again. And then December 2020, no, December 2021, January 2021, like I really kicked it off again with doing it way more regularly. And it was, it was mostly reaction videos to begin with. And I kind of, I quite like that because I could do the bigger ones, but like 
I also felt quite comfortable doing people who maybe weren't as well known. And that was something that like I kind of want to develop on also something I thought would be really, really cool for the channel is like to discover somebody almost to be like, oh, I found this person, this is edit, it's really good, but nobody's really seen it. And I was like, oh, if I do a video about it as well, that'll get a few eyes. And I was like, that's still kind of a goal. It'd be, I still think it'd be really cool to find a skater that is not getting a lot of attention and like I could feature them on my show. I could do a reaction video to them and like get them a bit more attention. I think that'd be really cool to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. What's your favorite series on your channel that you do? Is there one you like doing more than others? Um, yeah, it, it's like swings and roundabouts. It changes. Like I, because some of them are so much harder than others, and I get really mad. I get quite frustrated trying to put them together. But um, deals, deals on wheels mini is probably the best one because it's like the easiest short one. The ones I'm just doing on Instagram, where it's just instead of doing like ten tricks or however many from the week, it's just focusing on one. I really like doing those because get to be like particularly silly in those ones. But sometimes like even. Even though like, I think it's not been a particularly busy week, I'm like, oh, I'm still want to talk about this and that. And then sometimes they're like the funniest ones because I just go off on tangents. They're fun. I think the probably the best ones I've met like, for me were the reaction to Danny Beer's edit fired up, reading people's comments, like reading all the mean comments. That was a good one to make because it was just like some of the comments were just so ridiculous. People lose their minds over stuff. And none of them really made sense. It's really funny to do those. Uh, where are the hammers? That was a funny one to make as well. There's a few silly bits in that. Like I robbed a bit from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which I quite enjoyed doing. That was a good one. Trick violations. That was a funny one to do just because it was so silly. But yeah, that was cool. I enjoyed doing those ones. So the hot take ones are probably a little bit more interesting at the moment, I think. Probably lean towards those kind of ones. Well, the hot take ones are also the ones that have you that have the most views on them. Yeah, on your channel, definitely. like they seem to be very popular, and yeah. they're really funny. And I can tell that those take you quite a while to make. There's a lot to them. Yeah. What's the process with the hot takes? Like you come up with a concept first, and then yeah, you kind yeah, of like so, lay it out. You get the images first. You have a lot of yeah. you know overlaying. How does that all work with the hot takes? Um, yeah, so it's generally. A lot of them have come from my sense of what people are talking about at the moment. So like, especially like, where are the hammers? I just see comments like that quite a lot. And I was like, I think I can, I think I can address this. I think I like, I feel like I have an opinion about it. This is how we're going to make it funny. This is how we're going to like keep people's attention. And then with those ones, I definitely have to write notes more to remember stuff. But again, it's just like bullet points to remember what I thought about before and that's it makes so it maybe it's slightly more scripted it's definitely the process for that has definitely got more involved as I've done it like well there's just a lot more to my videos from when I first began because when I first started doing them it was all just like record it on my phone and edit it on, on my phone which I actually can't believe I ever did that's just so stupid and it was so time consuming but now I'm, I'm like, oh, I've got to do greens. I've got the green skin in there. I'm thinking about like what pitch is going in the background. But generally it's like, I have a rough idea of the script, go in there, just say it, and then try and pick out certain things that I've said and then apply images to them to try and keep people's interest. And that's it. I was like, originally I didn't really want to play the game. I just wanted to chat about rollerblading. But I was like, oh, you've got to kind of play the game a little bit. So like, not like 
I'd feel quite comfortably probably just chatting and not putting anything in the background and just hopefully relying on me saying silly stuff. But like with the with being able to add in images and stuff like that, it just makes it so much more appealing for people. Yeah, it really makes the show. Yeah, I, I like it's enjoyable as well coming up just like the silliest backgrounds I can. You and I, with these shows we do, they take a lot of time to edit, to put together. You don't yeah. really make much money off of them. <laughs> yeah. And no. you definitely, it's like, you know, pennies on the hour you, you know, spend making these shows. What's your oh, yeah. goal with your channel? What do you want to see happen with it? Are you trying to like make it where you can earn a living off your channel in the future? What's your goal? I mean, yeah, yeah it'd, be, it'd be amazing to make a living off it and do it full time. I'd love that. Like, I can't believe how much enjoyment I find from it. It's amazing, like, when you do something that you really enjoy, how hard you will work. And I realised, like, I thought I could work kind of hard anyway, but I will dedicate so much time to doing this because, like, I kind of think it's valuable. And when you get that feedback that people are actually enjoying it, you think, oh, yeah, this is actually, this is actually maybe doing something. This is maybe giving rollerblading more visibility. Like, I would love to get it to the point where, you know, outsiders come to watching it. Like, I know personally and a lot of other people as well watch skateboarders on youtube and you think well we don't skateboard so what's drawing us to that i know there's like similarities in culture and stuff but for some reason you're drawn to them and it'd be great to have that same effect like i'd love to get it to that stage where it's getting people into rollerblading i've always wanted to get to the point where i have enough of a following and enough of pull that i can actually properly promote brands like if I like a brand, I can chat about them and push people that way. I'd really love to do that, like support the industry and just, you know, make, I don't know, increase visibility, I guess is the main thing. Yeah, but yeah, I'd love to make a living off it. That'd be incredible. I don't know if that's practical at the moment. I don't have well, a job. people doing it, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's just a matter of being seen and people actually that watch it subscribing. Yeah, yeah, you know. just like yeah keep, get more subscribers get more views like I think a really important thing with rollerblading at the moment would be for us for people who are actually rollerblazers just to really support every single channel or especially the ones that you like go on there I know it's like it's the drivel that people always say in the videos like like comment subscribe but it's important like it's free as well it doesn't cost you anything to do that and it's so important if you think about it in the grand scheme like if you keep pushing these videos they're going to end up in like more people's feeds and they might come in to look at something and be like oh yeah what is what is this who is this clown dancing around in front of all these like weird backgrounds and then they might get into it that way so it's like really important to support what we have currently rather than like relying on outside channels who have really big followings to like do videos every now and then that's cool and that's great and you do get a lot of visibility but wouldn't it be cooler to support what we already have and build them up so we have that kind of impact as well That'd be, that'd be wicked. Well, I think with your style, especially with the hot takes videos, that's, you're going on the right path with creating a style of video that can appeal to a wider audience, you know, because they're informative and they're interesting and they're funny. I think, you know, like, if you did a version of, you know, what happened to rollerblading or whatever, like Jimmy the Giant did, it would be a lot more interesting and funny, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think, like, oh, he's, he's like, obviously he's, that's his, he's definitely has a lot more experience in me and like his production is really good and he knows how to play the YouTube algorithm and everything like that. But yeah, I think I, I'm a, I hope I know a little bit more about rollerblading and stuff like that. And so he can make maybe more niche kind of jokes and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I just think, you know, I mean, it's definitely about the algorithm, you know, wording, how do you promote it with the title and everything like that. But 
mm. you know, just all you need is one video that's going to get semi-viral to help your channel yeah. take off because I think anyone who sees it is going to want to follow you for the most yeah. part. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you. Hopefully. Even though it is shocking when I look at the statistics on like how many people watch the videos versus how many people actually subscribe and, you know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish I, wish I had 150,000 followers like he did, or 160, sorry. In a trick violations video, did you, uh, <laughs> how many people got sour from that video? And did any of the people who you featured in it get upset? No, I don't. Well, not yet. Maybe if we, maybe when this comes out and they realize I haven't got any stick yet, they might give me a load. Uh, no, not really. I think most people are like, oh, thanks for doing this and stuff like that. I mean, it was only meant, it's meant to be a laugh. It's meant to be entertaining. It's definitely not, it's not, not, not targeting anybody or anything like that. And I guess, aside from the comedy, there is kind of like a, a semi serious side to it in that, you know, that we have, we have standardized ways to do tricks and it's important because like you know you give yourself that challenge to learn that trick and then that ethos can be used in all other things like you continue that through your skate and you will try and get it a certain way and then once you've got it that certain way once you've learned those rules you can break those rules so you can start experimenting more it's like if you just do a trick sloppy and then you just move on to the next one sloppy you're just going to continue that you're never going to challenge yourself or try if you really challenge yourself at the beginning to get it in that great position you're going to learn better techniques you're going to push yourself to do more and eventually you go like you'll get further but i mean i guess at the end of the day as well it's always about fun so don't take it don't stress yourself out about it having filmed so many videos back in the day with pros back in that era it was all about perfection in the trick right mm. so when you look at the vault series i do and you watch the sessions you'll see like them land a trick like 10 times and a lot of people are like what's wrong with that you know, first take or second take, and it's just like it wasn't perfect enough, right? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then not even like as exaggerated as some of the clips were in your show, it was still like barely enough for them to not be happy with it, you know. So it was yeah, all yeah. about like the perfection of the trick in the videos I filmed back then, you know. So it was like a little bit different, but it made me think of that show because you know, those are clips that I wouldn't have put in a video. Yeah, yeah. Right, so. Yeah, it's important. Um, I think um I guess back in the day also as well, if like the skater is thinking this is the only footage people are gonna see of me, I want it to be like legit, I want it to be like absolutely perfect. Whereas these days with social media, it's like you just bang a clip on Instagram and then you bang up another one the next day and stuff like that. So it's kind of more throwaway. And I think that's part of it. It's like you see it a lot more because you're seeing a lot more rollerblading. It's like when I was a kid, we had to wait for so long to get videos. We met like maybe have two videos a year or something like that. And that's all we would watch. And kind of the skaters, rollerbladers probably knew that at the time. It was like, this is my only output. It's got to be bang on. But these days yeah. it's like, yeah, drop and edit whenever. Well, I think a difference too is most of those videos you bought back in the day, most skaters weren't that good. You know, they weren't, it wasn't like a realistic <laughs> level of skating for someone to win achieve. And I think... Yeah. You know, a lot of skaters, pro-wise, it was about business blading and like, and a lot of skaters quit because they could never get that good. And, you know, now it's more about people just have fun, you know, yeah. skating a curb in a parking lot or it doesn't yeah. really matter, like, if you're yeah. good or not, or if you got great style or not, it's just about having fun. And I don't yeah. think there was as much fun had back in, you know, 2002 
at least where yeah, I was living, looked, you know? Yeah, it looked very serious. It looked quite stressful at times. Like, these guys actually enjoying this or what? Do I, do I want to get into this sport? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it was hard. Do you watch most of the edits that come out these days? Um, I, try and, I try and catch as much as I can, but it's actually getting to the point where that's quite hard now especially with like, I'm actually trying to do these videos and come up with ideas. Well, not come up with ideas, but like, yeah, I'm thinking about a lot of things, but yeah, I try and watch as much as I can. I like, I guess it's really bad, but I will probably watch the first couple of like seconds or the first trick and something, and then make a decision there and then whether I'm committing to this edit, which is bad. I should probably like give people a bit more of a chance. But there's certain, certain skaters I definitely look out for and will always watch like their edits and stuff like that. But again, like I was saying before, I kind of, I'm really hoping to like find somebody that would like benefit from some more attention stuff. And it sounds arrogant that I have, that I think I have the power to do that, but I'd like to get in a position where like, you know, me talking about somebody will give them attention. So yeah, I, I try and watch as much as I can. Well, Instagram is definitely the best place to find some raw talent. <laughs> Cause there's yeah, so yeah, many yeah. kids out there with Instagram accounts, posting stuff with, you know, they live someplace random. Yeah. don't know anyone and you know the way you consider skating is on instagram so i'm sure yeah, you will like, find some gems yeah you just pray that like eventually they get like a good filmer or somebody in their crew like takes it up or they get connected with somebody and you're like oh they, like this footage is so good it's like imagine if somebody who's talented at filming filmed this for you instead of like filming it from your shoe and stuff like that or on a gopro <laughs> what section were you the most impressed with that you saw within the past year Within the past year. Yeah. Um, Don Bruce fifth floor. Is that just within the past year? Because that was the beginning of 2021, wasn't it? Well, we'll, we'll include it because that was a good section. Yeah. It was just wicked. Love, I just absolutely love his skating. It's unbelievable. He's like, he has this incredible, well, he has an incredible skill base, incredible talent, but it's all like, it's quite fast and like, it feels erratic. It feels like it's just like, off the cuff spontaneous but when you match that with unbelievable talent you can just do that you can just like fire yourself at like however many obstacles are there and then just do all these things at like the drop of a hat and he's unbelievable like especially in fifth floor where like david showed his process of like working things out of him just like going doing a few things and then like adding bits to it or like taking bits away or like something different happens or he goes a different direction so it's like he's such an interesting skater to watch as well i loved it so yeah, probably that one. Who's your favorite skaters right now? So probably Dom, Bellino, uh, always Roscal, just always, because he's just been probably since I was a kid, he's been good. And I don't, I don't, there's never been a time where I've been like sick of seeing him skate, which is like, which is testament to how good he is and how long he's been skating. Just because he's like, it's always fresh and he's changed and always like adapting. Levy, Levy Van Rain, he just dropped an edit today as well. That's really cool. Just anybody who's on Mesmer. Uh, the UK lot are Scott Blackmore, whenever he drops clips. I really like his skating. Colin Martin, if he ever drops stuff, I'm always really interested to see him. I don't know, there's just, there's honestly just, there's just so many skaters. I'm going to look back and I'm going to feel really bad that I haven't mentioned somebody as well. And what skater throughout your career had the most influence on your personal style of skating um i don't know it's hard to say because i definitely don't think i'm like good enough to say oh this is my influence if i'm like oh yeah 
uh, Stockwell was my influence. He's like, yeah, you skate nothing like Stockwell. And that's mostly because I can't. <laughs> but yeah, probably, probably Stockwell or like the Kelso brothers. Just talks, man. It's always talks. I like one-footed tricks and being able to like do grinds out of them. I think that's the wicked one. Are we going to see any more shows on your channel with you skating or skate sessions around London? Um, maybe. I have thought about it. I have thought about like going out and like filming with people, but a lot of the times, like I don't want to step on people's feet as well. Like a lot of the times people are filming for projects and stuff like that. And I can't, like, I don't want to be in the background filming stuff and giving away things. And like, also it's like how comfortable those people like feel being filmed as well. Like I respect that, like, you know, a lot of them don't have YouTube channels and stuff like that because they don't feel comfortable doing it. And it's like a side of them that they, you know, they just want to, they want to go out skate and like get some clips and stuff. And I don't want to be shoving my camera in people's faces. Although I think maybe there's something there. It'd just be the right conditions. And if I come up with like an idea that feels natural to me, like I feel like, oh yeah, I can do this comfortably. I don't feel like I'm forcing myself to do this. That'd be interesting. Yes, it, it plays in my mind. I'm trying to like think of a way to do it and achieve it. What about just documenting your skating? My skating? Oh, I don't know how many people want to see my skating. I quite like, I don't mind putting stuff up on Instagram every now and then, but I don't, I kind of don't want it to become about me too much. That sounds really weird because I guess people watch it for the silly things that I say, but I kind of want to keep the focus on like other skaters who are far better than me that deserve the attention. Like if somebody was to find my stuff and then they see me skating, I might not be the best example of what is achievable on rollerblades. So I'd rather push it to somebody else. But then again, maybe they'll see me and be like, oh, like I relate to that more because this guy is woeful at skating and so am I. <laughs> maybe, we'll see. No massive plans. I mean, there's a lot of skating channels out there with people just skating of all levels <laughs> and they seem to be yeah. pretty popular regardless of how good you are or not. Yeah, I guess I think always... the, the relatable aspect is a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, relatable and just like they see themselves in that person and stuff like that, rather than watching some just destroy spots all the time. Like, oh my god, I can't do that. No way. So maybe, yeah, we'll see. So how does it feel going from being an introvert into being a up and coming celebrity on <laughs> YouTube? <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's a funny thing. It's I strangely feel slightly more confident doing these videos. I guess like when you get that feedback from like a lot of people and they go, oh, this is really cool. You, you start to feel a lot more confident within yourself. I still am. Um, I think sometimes in certain situations, I can still be quite like a shy. I know shy isn't the same as introvert, but like I can still be quite quiet and stuff like that. But yeah, I feel I definitely got more confidence doing the videos and stuff like that. So that's really cool. I mean, I really hate talking in front of the camera or public speaking. And I oh, also yeah. stutter and lisp and I've got braces now, Invisalign <laughs> to help me with that. But yeah, know, yeah, never was a fan of doing a YouTube show like this. Yeah. And it actually got a lot easier and it was as bad as I thought it would be. But definitely the yeah, first definitely. few episodes were nerve wracking. I mean, it's still nerve wracking talking in front of the camera for me, but yeah, it, it definitely gets easier. Like, I, I don't know how well I'd be doing, like, interviews and stuff all the time. Because I think there's, like, there's way more room for it to just, like, be a bit more wild and go all over the place. If 
but and I, I like with my videos I have more control and I think I like I don't like doing presentations either especially like at work I hated them and they, but then I started to like enjoy them a little bit more because like I start to try and make my work ones funny obviously I can't like do the things I'm doing in my rollerblading videos that'd be ridiculous I'd be sacked on the spot but um like injecting some sort of human made it feel a bit more comfortable. And then with these videos, I am de I'm definitely better than when I started. It was so bad. I could see like, I could see me in it. Like it, it kind of was semi-natural, but like I, like I feel totally comfortable talking in front of the camera at home on my own when nobody's here and I'm doing the videos, that's fine. But yeah, I'd, I'd wonder how I'd get on in front of a, an audience. God, that'd be nerve wracking. Maybe a live show. Yeah, I don't. Well, what, I don't know what I would do for like the images in the background. I'd have to have them pre-prepared and just like fly them. Have somebody hold them behind me or something like that. I don't know. Would I'd work something out? That's some new software to figure out. I've been looking at some of those live streaming softwares. I'm like, I kind of want to start doing some live streams, but I want it to look really cool from the beginning. So I would have to figure out how to make it work properly. Yeah, you need to get some like holograms going, holograms of skaters and stuff like that. That would be pretty cool. I always yeah. wanted to do, uh, you know, all with all the CGI now. I also yeah, yeah. fun to have the Leap of Faith School in San Diego. Oh, sick! Uh, they have you know, at one point they built an elevator shaft at along yeah. the top of it, and feasibly you could wall ride it. I always tried to get somebody to wall ride it when I was out there, and no one did. So I was like, that would be really cool to get somebody to CGI somebody wall riding that. Oh uh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, in, in Jersey, ran, this is totally off subject, but in Jersey, we used to have this festival called um, Broncage. It was like an arts festival. You get like musicians, comedians, like artists. Also. And they did this one where they projected this like show into one of our castles that we have. We have quite a lot of castles around the island. And they projected this show into the castle and they made it look like the castle was like falling apart and everything like that. I'd imagine like, that'd be amazing if we got that in Rollerblading. I don't know if Rollerblading's got the budget, but maybe. That'd be really rad. I'd like to check that place out. It sounds really cool. Yeah, oh, honestly, so it's such a beautiful island. Loads of beaches, loads of like green, loads of farmers. If you're into farmers, <laughs> um, yeah, castles. Obviously, like in the war, we were occupied by by the Germans. So there's a lot of like military defense stuff, like big wall at Saint Ones, which is like the main kind of surfing beach that was all built by the Germans. Yeah, it's really full of history. Just beautiful place to go. Definitely in the summer. Yeah, I want to check it out. The only place I've been to in England is London. And then I've been yeah. to Scotland over by Glasgow and Edinburgh. And that was cool. But yeah, I want to yeah, do yeah. like a actual like road trip around, you know, main island and then visit some of the smaller places it would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, they're great. If you're in Jersey as well, you should go to France. It's like you can get a boat there in maybe an hour. You can go like a day trip. We always used to do it when we were like kids with school and stuff like that and as you get older you do it as like teenagers and adults you go there for like the day basically on people's birthday parties you go to a town called St Marlo and their people in St Marlo definitely hate people from Jersey because they just go there to get steaming drunk and, like, <laughs> and speak barely any French just so horrible and uncultured and a lot of the times as well you go over and because it was somebody's party you'd be in fancy dress so like a load of people dressed like superheroes would arrive in their like quite nice, quiet town and just get really drunk. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yes, yeah, so that's a beautiful place as well, St. Marley. 
Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a beautiful place to go to. I do have yeah. some family in France. I've explored oh, more right. southern France and, you know, around yeah. like Lyon and stuff, but I yeah, haven't yeah. done the north coast of France at all. And that's another place I would want to check out. Have you considered doing any collaborations on your channel with other people? Um, like with the other people that exist? That or just like another skater you know about doing some other content with like a second person or... Um, I kind of ages ago, I thought it'd be really cool to do something like the Nine Club, although I kind of find the Nine Club a bit naff now. Um, but like, I, I'd love to, I would love to see that in rollerblading. I guess almost Billy and Austin almost kind of have it, but they just do interviews. It'd be like I'm giving them ideas here, but I think they're in a really good position to do it, where they would just like have people on and just chat about it doesn't have to be so strictly the news and like everything that's happening but maybe just a few subjects that they want to chat about that'd be really cool i thought about that but i just like i don't know how i can do it like i mean if i was making money enough money off this or i had a job <laughs> and i could actually pay for it myself it'd be cool to like have a studio that i could go into and set up where i could get a few more people involved like i'd love to have like some of the like london boys like come in and we can chat about some things or just like share our views about edits because I find I think when I first started a lot of people were like oh you're always positive about what you're talking about I was like well because I'm only going to pick the things that I like to, to talk about so I'm going to be positive and like especially with the uh, deals on wheels and I was like the best way to get like maybe not a negative opinion but a different opinion is when you're talking to somebody because then you can like discuss it and it's not just one person going oh that, that's a part of shit and stuff like that so it's like I would love to do that not that I have like a load of negative opinions that I need to get out and I need another person to be like a shield so I can be like oh it's not just me slagging people off I mean that show you reference is very popular yeah and I'm, oh yeah yeah super popular I've heard a lot of people reference it before as well but it would be it would be cool to have something like that in rollerblading I think it would do really well I was going to say there's that podcast out of Australia. I forgot the name of it, but it's with like Chris Puller. And, oh, yeah. And they have like four or five people sitting around when they do their podcast, when they interview somebody. <laughs> so it's kind of like that, except it is more still an interview with somebody. Yeah, I've seen those. I've seen, yeah, I've seen those guys. They have like, who do they have on? It's Sessa Mora. It is Sessa. I bet I'm going to get ripped. I am. Um, that just reminded me a video I had when I was young was No More Mr. Nice Guy. That was Australian, wasn't it? Was that an Australian video? I feel like it was. I don't remember it. Well, it was like Tom Fry was in it, Sesamora, Josh Clark, Scott Crawford. So I swear it was Australian. Well, it's all Australians you mentioned, so. Yeah, yeah. There was, that, there was other people as well. I'm sure it was Australian. Yeah, I loved that video when I was younger. We have to look it up, see if it's on YouTube. Yeah, I think somebody's... somebody's posted well maybe at least part of it on reddit five years ago it looks like do you use reddit quite a bit um uh, mostly just to like post my videos and stuff like that try and get a few more eyes on it not, that much. not not start your own subreddit like brandon <laughs> i don't think so i think it's cool that what, what brandon's got going on and stuff like that he's definitely he seems to be at, maybe at the forefront of like being on the ball more with like this different media outlets or different mediums to release his content and generate uh, like a community and stuff like that, which is really cool. Yeah, I interviewed him last week and, you know, he does those Twitch live streams. 
Yeah. And he says he makes as much on a Twitch, doing his Twitch live streams with 40 people than he does on his YouTube channel. No, well, like money-wise. Yeah, money-wise. All oh, right. With 40 people. Oh, my God. Maybe that's the way. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. You can watch the episode when it drops in a few days. Yeah, yeah. I need to be making that Brandon Drummond money. <laughs> and like Brandon, his oh. favorite skater was Alex Brasco as well. Yeah, I think it's, I know, I know a lot of people would be like, oh, it's an obvious answer, but there's a there's good reason why. He's like an absolutely incredible skater. And like I said before, it's like, he's still on top. Like every time that little circle lights up on his story, I'm like frothing, frothing from the mouth. I'm like, oh, this is going to be sick. This is going to be something ridiculous. And he's just like chucking it away on his stories. Like, wow, guy's unbelievable. Unbelievable is correct. Such a good skater. Yeah. yeah. And he's just, he's just he's stuck with it. He just he obviously still loves it. I don't know, man. Just unbelievable. Like I just like his skating so much. Just so much control, and like the evolution of his skating as well. It's funny. Like I wonder if like I wonder how many people look at him and like have no idea that he used to like chuck insane like insane hammers. He's definitely really hurt himself a few times as well. Like just an beast. Like on the rollerblades, and then he's evolved into this and he's still got all that control and he's still got a bit of like mad dog in him like sometimes he's like whoa where did that come from just amazing the evolution of his skating that's why i think it's really cool being being able to evolve and being able to change and like i'm not saying you have to keep up with like whatever the trend is but i don't think he keeps up i think proscow sets the trends like through his own like oh i've done all this before what am i going to do now how am i going to test myself I remember the first time I saw him skate was in person was at the, it was the ASA World Championships back in 2001 in Las Vegas when he was still called Gromit before people started calling him Alex. <laughs> I'm sure I, I'm sure I read or heard something that like that's how kind of he developed his style because he was a lot smaller and he used to skate with people who were way like older and bigger and they'd go to these big spots he would just skate faster and like disaster stuff and that's kind of how he developed that ability to do those kind of things just trying to keep up with people mad he has oh, he skated so more... fast yeah yeah like i was watching uh straight jacket today i was just like oh my god the speed he skates it stuff stuff is frightening because he does this massive what's it uh backside fast slide disaster backside fast slide and i was like oh my god that's insane i just recently watched quattro again the daily bread video i yeah. made the first one and he has so many Good tricks in that where he's just going Mach 10 and hucking himself yeah, yeah. so far and so from so yeah. high. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's the one where you've got that. Uh it was is it like a it's either like a true fish or an Ali Macchio cess slide that you do. Oh yeah, that was like a true fish cess slide. Yeah. That was a school yeah. by my house called Garfield. And I used to do so many cess slide things on that. And unfortunately, all those tapes were lost. Oh man. I am. I used to really like that. So did like my cousin and stuff, seeing the videographer get clips as well. And still today, I really like it. Like seeing footage of people like Don West skate. Don West is a really good skater. And like a van. A van's an unbelievable skater. People like that, just seeing them skate as well. I'm like pretty much, all, well, I guess a lot of the film has come from being rollerbladers as well. Yeah, but, well, like, those guys are all better than me, but you know, I've laid a few tricks down in the past. Yeah, that's cool. I like nothing too I serious. Yeah, yeah. More like playing around stuff. I mean, yeah. we're talking about the step over 
switch-ups earlier was it in daily bread five i did that royale ali top acid step over in the credits like real short nice. curve. <laughs> yeah 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 that's cool i am um, i always wonder as well because i with back to brosca more chat about brosca he he used to ice skate didn't he is that true i am not sure i think i'm sure he, I, i'm sure i heard he did or maybe he's just good at ice skating as well but that's cool because i'm sure there's other people that, that like joey mushroom blading he used to ice skate as well and i think that kind of stuff helps and i wonder if that's like it must be related to like doing wizard blading and then going back to aggressive or like doing both at the same time whatever like and how it helps you just that movement and that like the control that you have because uh, and danny beer danny beer ice skates right or used to do like ice hockey and stuff like that and you can see he's got that control and like really knows how the skates work and it's really interesting to see like you know maybe maybe more people should do that like take it as like a little bit of training to help your help your rollerblading aggressive rollerblading well i remember you know back in the 2000s filming with people one thing that a lot of the really good skaters had in common is when they were young they did gymnastics oh, so okay. they learned how to control their body how to fall you know they might have not like gone with gymnastics for a long time but they did it when they were little very small and it prepared yeah. them for skating and i think gymnastics is like a great thing for every kid to do to prepare for any sport yeah there's um there was a kid in jersey uh who's now a professional bmxer and it, like i think he's he does really well for himself called alex colburn and i'm sure he used to do gymnastics as a kid and then he he started rollerblading originally and he was just he was so good like unbelievably good and then i think he he dropped that to do bmx and now he's oh he's famous I think he invents, it's like invented tricks and all sorts. It's phenomenal on the BMX. Cool. Is he one of the guys yeah. who does all those like crazy flares and yeah, yeah. Familiar. Like, like we'll land in like some sort of foot jam and you're like, oh my God, that's with a bike, it's, it's some serious stuff, isn't it? Because you can get an unbelievable amount of speed and really launch yourself out of a ramp and then that bike could land on you. <laughs> so the spotty dog shirt you made, was that your first piece of merchandise? Yeah, 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 very fast. So um, I think a few people had asked about if I had any t-shirts and stuff like that. And it kind of, and like some people had also suggested doing Spotty Dog. And at first I was a bit hesitant to do like something that was a phrase. Cause I was like, I don't, I wouldn't be drawn to that clothing naturally. I was like, oh, if I wanted to do something, I would want it to be like just a brand, like maybe have a, a brand as an offshoot kind of thing. And I, I still have some ideas for that anyway. I was like, oh, hey, do you know what? Like, let's just do the spotty dog one. It'd be cool to like make a spotty dog t-shirt and then give it to my dad. That'd be quite funny. And it, and then I was like, oh, actually it'd be really amusing if I seen people wearing them and I could show my dad, I'd be like, oh, look at this really good rollerblader wearing a spotty dog t-shirt. That's because of you. So yeah, we just dipped in. So I got in contact with, um, so we also Nicholas Swan from Beehive. We chat a lot. He's been like really great encouraging me like for, to do stuff with the channel and that and just like, you know, telling me I'm doing good things and whatever. Me and him were talking and I was like, oh, I really like uh, Rich Taylor who had done stuff for Bloom and he's a rollerblader as well. He also does a bit of surfing, which is quite fun. Um, so got in contact with him and then through that, we worked out the design and then, yeah, we, we came up with Spotty Dog. Awesome. Any plans for yeah. uh, a second shirt of any? Of yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to do some more stuff with like this design. And then, I mean, I've already got, I do have a, um, yeah, I have plans and I have like connections with other rollerbladers and stuff like that, which I want to work on. And I guess I don't want to say too much, but like, yeah, 
keep your eyes peeled and stuff like that and see what see what comes some interesting stuff potentially some, potentially some really interesting stuff which i'm excited about and i'd love to dip i'd love to dip more into the clothes side of thing and make some stuff that people like to wear not just for rollerblading and not just because it is associated to rollerblading i think that's a big thing that i like seeing companies do which is why i'm such a big fan of like uh pomelo because i'd seen it uh rollerblading wearing it but i was like i don't know if this is rollerblading or not and i like that that like you know it doesn't have a massive rollerblade on it which isn't there's no problem with that but i prefer something that's like will transcend rollerblading and that's how you're going to grow as a brand if you're just like a brand rather than a rollerblading brand i mean you don't have to tell people that you're i don't know all the money's going towards rollerbladers through the t-shirt you can just do anything i think that's cool and like thinking back to like things like you know the four by four t-shirts with uh, jeremy Bytel and like all that stuff that was just like this was just cool stuff to wear and casper and stuff like that you're like oh this is just good stuff all those good brands actually like i don't know second regime they had some like cool t-shirts and stuff like that loads there was loads of good brands and i felt like i felt like at one point rollerblading kind of lost a lot of good clothing it just seemed a bit naff and i wanted to support and i'd end up buying something just because it was a rollerblading brand i'm like I don't even really like this. It's definitely getting better now. Like companies like LTE as well. I really love their stuff. And actually Mesmer's merch is what is really good. Really, really good. I like that. And yeah, actually, awesome. you, have you seen the new thing that uh, them have released? You know how they- Yeah, that's the cool too with the smash up window. Yeah, yeah that's, re that's really good. That is I like these low life shirts too. Yeah, yeah. I like those. They're just really <laughs> sick. I like all of those kind of stuff. And um, they've got, they're even, them skates are doing balaclavas. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. They look so good. They look quite menacing. I like it. I'm definitely gonna get one of those. I think that's a really good response to getting your windows smashed out. Oh yeah, that is great. That's a really good way to do it. I love it. So the the new projects with t-shirts and graphics you're gonna be doing, you want to do that underneath your own brand, like started like a news company. Yeah, I think so. I'm probably I'm probably gonna do Spotty Dog for a bit while longer because that's what everybody just associates with, and people seem to really like it. And I like I, I I do like the design. I like looking at it and stuff like that. It's just funny, but yeah, I'd love to do. I know some people won't like having a phrase like that on it, so I'd like to do something for that. But yeah, I've got an idea of a brand name. I don't want to give it away at the moment, but you know, maybe when I do come out with it, I'll give you the exclusive interview. Or something all right, like let's do it. I'm always down for part two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's actually funny because. You know, usually the interviews I do last about an hour and a half to two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. The Jerry Baytal interview I just did was four and a half hours. Oh, and wow. So I'm going to break is... it up into three different episodes because nobody wants to watch a four and a half hour show, even like two hours. Yeah, that's it. It, so maybe have yeah, that's parts. Cool. And yeah, that's definitely a cool way to do it. Yeah. So it should be, it's pretty interesting because, you know, I've known Jeremy for a long time and we had a lot to talk about. So it was, yeah, it was really... tough. It was like a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> the real yeah he's in he seems like an interesting guy he um he's a really good skater as well i don't know how many people know that well i mean they would have if they've been around at the time because he had, he has a fair few bits in still this video doesn't he he had us he didn't have any clips in Still's video no but he had a section forever now oh maybe that's it yeah he had a section forever now and he had a section in a old mike toro's video and he has a section that never came out that was supposed to be in a rejects video because they lost the footage like the hard oh, drive went bad. So there's like a whole missing section. Yeah, because I can remember there's this clip of him doing like a negative macchio and it goes like, it's a rail and it, but it goes around a corner. It's like a sharp 
angle change. And I was just like, wow. Like at the time I was like, well, that is insane. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I watched that chase rushing podcast the other day and you know, he was talking about when he first met. Yeah. He's he like, realized. I thought she was just an artist. I didn't realize he was a skater too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chase rushing is a wicked skater as well. Yeah. Was, so yeah good. Those Negretti videos were just amazing. I love that whole like time period in rollerblading. Just felt cool. Music. Felt like, yeah. That's like, yeah. Oh my God. Face the music. I watched that again recently. That was unbelievable. That Rosie scene was insane. It was so cool. It's kind of like, I hate to compare brands and stuff like that, but the kind of aesthetic they had there, it, I get the same. It's not the same, but they're different, obviously. But this thing with Mesmer, they have a really strong aesthetic. And Rosie's 2006 had a really strong aesthetic and a team that felt like a team. It felt like they were all mates and kind of really aligned with each other. And it feels the same with Mesmer as well. Like, and I love that. It's really, it's just so exciting. Yeah, I think Beethoven was a face of music too. I think he had some clips in there. Oh, do you know what? Maybe that's where, maybe that's what I'm talking yeah. about. I've just watched that the other day. That's probably what it is. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And then when it comes to like music, what type of music do you listen to? Um, I, oh, I like, I know it's, it's a bit cliche, but like all sorts of music. I've definitely gone through some phases as well. I listen to, these days I listen to like, a lot of rap music. I love rap music, especially like quite obscene rap music is always fun to listen to. It's like the obnoxious rap music. It's funny. Um, yeah, but like absolutely anything. It's like, you know what? It's funny when I'm trying to edit, I would love to be able to listen to music, but I actually need to listen to what I'm saying, which is quite annoying. And I get, I get, I definitely get distracted quite easy. I'll put on videos as well. And I'm like trying to listen to myself and edit and watch like, trying to catch up on a podcast or something like that it's not the best but i try do you have any other passions in life outside of skating um not massively <laughs> um i like, like video editing now I, I guess i'm more into that it'd be cool to see what i can do actually learn how to do it properly because i feel like i'm it's like amateur hour over here <laughs> like the, the way i do everything is i'm pretty sure my uh, techniques are definitely unorthodox and I could do things faster, but I like, I like the way it looks at the moment. There's definitely things I would change, improve upon a little bit and like more, like just enable myself to do more silly stuff. But yeah, um, outside of passion, uh, surfing, I still like to do when I can. Obviously I can't do much of it in London, but when I go home, I like to surf. I'd like, I took a long period where I didn't surf, but then recently when I was back home, summertime, like surfing with my dad again, I was like, this is actually so good. It's brilliant. I just love it. And Jersey's amazing for it. And it's cool going out. It's cool going out with my dad surfing. Like, and I like that. I really like that he still does it. That's rad. What software yeah, do you amazing. use for editing? Oh, I just use um, iMovie. <laughs> That's so bad. I, yeah, I need to sort out. I, probably, I need to commit to like some sort of software, but it's quite expensive. Well, I recommend using what I use. It's called DaVinci Resolve and it's free. Okay. It's, it's oh, yeah. really good software. And if you want to pay for the full version, it's $299. But instead of buying the version, like the software by itself, if you buy like an editing keyboard, yeah, for $299, you get the software for free. So, oh, oh, sick. It's pretty cool. Actually, I'll show you real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grab it. So you can pay either pay $299 for a software or buy this speed editor. And it comes with a software for free and it's the same price. That looks cool. So anyway, it's really good software. You can do a lot with it. It does 
all sorts of color correction. Um, oh man, yeah. You can remove stuff, you know, easily from within elements within the video. Like I could get rid of those glasses behind you or whatever. Oh no you know? way! And, and it's super simple. No, <laughs> I, I mean I'm just saying you can, and and it's just simple. You can watch tutorials on on YouTube and figure yeah, it out. Yeah. That's what I did. But yeah, I oh, like cool. it a lot. I mean, it's, and the free version is awesome. Like if you're not going to do like crazy stuff, you just get the free version. It's way better than iMovie. Yeah. Yeah, I think I kind of like with iMovie, I know it's like just the one you get with um, the Mac. Um, it kind of does what I need to do at the moment. Maybe I like, yeah, it kind of suits me for what I, what level I'm at. I think people might be a bit surprised that I'm using that because it's so amateur. I've actually never used it before. What? It's just really bad. It's just so basic. <laughs> and what are you filming with? Uh, just my phone. Just this phone. My whatever iPhone this is. It's my girlfriend's old one. So maybe it's an eleven. Nice. Yeah. So it's a it's a low it's a low cost show right now. <laughs> yeah, it's budget. It's so budget. But it looks really good. Thank you. I've only just got um. I only recently got like lights and stuff. Because before I was just like trying to find a lit room or I was like having to film at certain times during the day when the sunlight comes into my lounge. And I was like, oh God, like once it started getting to winter, I was like, what the, what the hell am I going to do? And at like beginning, I kind of let it slip a bit. So there's definitely some that were like dark and a bit weird looking, but now I'm a bit like, oh, I can't really, I can't just let my, I can't be lazy about it and just post up that it's got to look a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a, a bit more attention nowadays. Yeah, lights definitely make a big difference. And then figuring out how to set them up. And figuring oh. out how to set them up, I had to watch a bunch of tutorials on it yeah. to get it like proper. Yeah, it sounds because... like you're further along than me. I just like <laughs> stick them up and wing it. Yeah, well, I, I won, I did, I won it. <laughs> I winged it for a while, but it still looked like shit when I did it. So I was like, <laughs> I'm watching these videos. I'm like, why does it look so good in this? And I'm like doing it. I got the same lights, it looks terrible yeah 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 it's, it's, a, bit it's of a, lot. a little bit better but yeah it's, it's a bit of a lottery every time I, I don't know how it comes out but I, I got i've got the benefit of like a green screen so i just get rid of the background and you can't tell too much i guess some people know probably people who are a lot better than me who are professionals will be like this is pretty below par tom but whatever i think it goes well with the show yeah know? yeah that's the thing it's like so, comedy so and everything works perfect i think it's like I mean, it might look better with better equipment, but I think it mm. looks pretty badass the way it is. Yeah, and I think that's something I wanted. I want to avoid anyway. I don't want it to be overly polished. I don't want to appear like a like a TV chat show or something like that. I don't know. I want it to be more natural because I feel like that's closer to what the ethos of rollerblading is, just like, you know, raw and real, <laughs> that kind of thing. No, yeah, that's for sure. I wanted to ask you about Brandon Drummond and you being nominated for Blader Voice of the Year. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I like, I, I, yeah, when I did a video and I was just like, the title is just so elevated, like the voice of blading. I was like, oh no, that definitely shouldn't be given to like one person. And I was like, it should probably go to somebody who is like more established in rollerblading. Like, well, like mush mushroom blading, I think they give more of opinion. And, or like somebody like Julio, who is doing so much, that's kind of a more voice of rollerblading. But I get it, that's just like a technical title and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, I was um, flattered to even be considered for it. That was really cool. 
I thought it was like, interesting that it was you and and Brandon who have you know news shows and you on you know, YouTube, and then it's Miguel who does you know announcing for you know yeah, events and stuff. Flash. And it's like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're not even like the same thing, you know, as far as like, yeah, yeah. That's I, I mean, mean he's yeah. a voice for events, and you guys oh, yeah, are a voice on on you know, you know, news and some content, but it's like it's it's a weird category as far yeah, as the voice for blading i mean it was like yeah it's yeah definitely an elevated title and i think yeah i think maybe one just needed to like regulate it a little bit more and like a little bit more guidance for people and stuff like that because obviously obviously people suggested him they were just like oh we like this guy like he has a massive personality a really important part of rollerblading but yeah and then you're like there's him and there's us two youtubers and i was like okay you should have had maybe a youtube channel but like I don't know, I shared my opinions on how I think it should be done. Well, I basically think that they should pick the categories first and then let people decide. And then with that as well, and then have like an industry an industry expert type one as well, where like maybe they just go, oh, this is the public's champion and this is our champion, something like that. See, I, I did those awards for three years with Big World Blading and it's like, the way I would do it is it was a lot of work too. That wasn't worth yeah. it at all. So I, I don't do it anymore, but uh it was like a lot of work and it people just bitch about it, the results the whole time. Oh uh, yeah. But you know, it's I would all... have a, a month period where people could nominate people, right? So it's like a yeah. whole month promoting it all across the internet on my yeah, yeah, media. yeah. People could nominate for a month long. And then the next month it's voting. And so the second month, everyone's like, why is this person not nominated? But I'm like, because you didn't nominate anybody. Like, you know, yeah. and then people don't vote and like, and then they just bitch. So yeah, yeah. That, yeah like, I mean, it's not fun, that's... you know, it's not fun to do. I'd rather yeah, do like, what's lot... my favorite, personal favorite in each category is what yeah. I'd rather do in the future. And then yeah, the expert the thing's cool, but that's even more work getting yeah working with people to get that stuff in and there's no reward or benefit out of the whole thing yeah so it's like, like i was saying to somebody maybe i said it in the video i can't even remember um how do you get how do you get industry experts that are neutral like and, and what is an expert because i'm sure people would be like if you say oh this is a judging panel they'd be like well he's not an expert I'm like who's this bloke They're, like there's always going to be things people are going to kick off on yeah it's not so, yeah. it's not i mean the blading awards is not beneficial for just your sanity if you're making those awards <laughs> yeah yeah especially because like over the christmas holidays is when you're like working on them right because yeah you and know it's the end of the yeah. year right so it's like uh i oh, feel yeah, so I, good this year not doing them yeah yeah i just know your hassle okay. yeah because at the end of the year i went home as well and i'm not going to take all my stuff and i want it to be filmed a certain way so i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna film i wasn't gonna film when i was like taking time off and that's the end of the year. And I was like, oh, so I can't even really do anything. But I guess it's always better to have the awards in like January anyway. But then everybody forgets about what happened last January. So you have to have like a reminder. And I said in my thing, I was like, you need midterms. You need to like remind people halfway through the year. It was like, oh yeah, do you remember all this good stuff that's happened? Remember that for the end of the year as well. Or yeah, you, but somebody oh, has to even remember to remind someone. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a lot of hard work. And like there's a lot of content coming out, especially with like videos of the year and edits of the year. I mean, it was yeah. easier back in the day when it was actually only videos. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's like there's this online video and online edits, and then they get lost in the you know in the yeah, internet, yeah. and it makes it harder to remember because usually you just watch it once and that's it. You know, videos back in the day you watched them 
until the head's you know broken your vcr <laughs> yeah yeah you should wear out the tape <laughs> or your or your dvd was all scratched up it was skipping yeah yeah oh man a mad thing a mad thing i used to do when i was younger like talking about like going back to music and stuff when i used to watch the videos and i couldn't really download music or anything that wasn't really available at the time but i had um, a mini disc player so what I could do is I could connect my mini disc player to my uh, VCR, my parents' VCR, and I could record the music off the like skate videos. But the best thing about it was it would have the grind noises in it as well. So I'd have all these songs, I mean, like some Ozzy Osbourne song, like Diary of a Madman. Did she use that? I don't know, maybe. But you'd have that, and then there's just middle of it, you just hear this grind noise. I was like, oh, this, this is actually mental. It was so fun, so silly. I quite liked it. I enjoyed that's, it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Have you done any like traveling for skating at all? Um, no, not particularly. Like, if I just if I go on holiday, I'll like take my skates with me and stuff like that, and just try and bottle out. I suspect I'm probably going to do a bit more of it now because I think there's maybe a few more people that would like to meet up with me and stuff like that, show me around. Have you ever been to Winter Clash? Yeah, I want to. I seen they they seen they were thinking about doing two dates maybe. I, think, I don't know how many people caught it because I think they only put it in their stories, but they were like doing something maybe in October. Well, I can't remember. There was two dates we were talking about and they were like, do you want to do both? Do you want to do one? But yeah, I'd, I, yeah, I want to get over to whenever the next Winter Clash is. I'd also like to come to Blade Cup, but I probably need to get a job so I can afford to buy a flight. So yeah, get a job, get to Blade Cup twice. Winter Clash are probably easier to get to. Yeah, it's definitely closer. You know, probably like a ride with somebody or something. Transportation yeah. is cheaper out there too, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. All the way to California. Yeah, it's definitely an easier, an easier journey. So what plans do you have going into this year with the channel and your skating? Anything new? No, uh, with my skating, um, I really want to just get really good at true fish brains. I can only do them on p and it really annoys me. I want to do a true fish mine somewhere in the street. Uh, I've got some ideas about skate. I just want to try and skate more because I've been doing so many videos. I've been skating a lot less. But there are times where I'm like, what is... Obviously, I love skating, but like kind of what's worth more to the community? It's like, do they need another clip of me doing a toe roll to some trick? Or should I do this video? And I feel like kind of I'm more valuable when I do the videos well I like to do I just like doing the videos and stuff. but yeah I want to try and skate more to manage my time a little bit better just keep cracking on with the channel really try and like refine my style I think it's close well I think it's pretty much what I want to be doing style wise and like say some more silly things do some more silly backgrounds uh dive into some more topics maybe it's like a few people have mentioned expanding outside of rollerblading or people have said oh you'd be good but like I don't know enough about anything well I certainly don't know enough about any other sport as I do about rollerblading so I don't have that confidence there especially on the like deals on wheels side of things where I can actually talk about the trick and like break it down because I have a relatively good understanding of it but it'd be interesting maybe I need to learn how to do some proper research that'd be cool I've got, a few, I've got a few ideas about dipping into things still related to rollerblading, but slightly outside of aggressive skating. Cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, I want to see everything that you come out with because I love it all already. Thank you. And I'd like to see a video pro progressing your true fish brain. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the process of learning it on a, <laughs> something more than a slider bar. Yeah, yeah. That could be a good video. 
Yeah, it might be. It might be a fun one. I could definitely try and make it fun. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just like a lot of the times, I think at the beginning as well, I used to dip into subjects quite deeply or my opinion quite deeply. And I'm like, I do kind of want to go back to that. And now I think I know better ways to make it entertaining and interesting for people. Like when I did, like when I did the hammer one, there was a lot of me just talking. And I was like, although that was kind of good and maybe I was making some good points. I don't know how interesting that'll be for people because it's literally just me in the background wasn't changing much. So I guess I've got more skills to be able to deep dive into things now. But also you've got to play the YouTube game. And it's like, how much do people really want to hear that? I don't know. I'll work, I'll work it out. Well, there's definitely a lot of different content you can do. And there's also, I mean, there's been a lot of videos made about blading throughout the years that could be remade. Yeah, that's true, your yeah. vision, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like I really enjoyed the one I did on Senna and Kryptonics and stuff like that. It wasn't meant to be specifically on them. It was meant to be just be like, because I remember back, well, my first thing that triggered that was like, we used to have so much clothing back in the day. I used to think really funny that loads of different brands had like boxer shorts and stuff. And like, that's how big it was. There was trainers, like drug trainers and whatever. Like I was looking through a Team Paradise catalog. I was like, oh my God, I remember all this stuff. We used to have so many things because obviously there was a lot more money in it. I was like, this is so interesting. I was like, oh, actually, the packaging would really be really cool as well. Just like the Senate stuff was like ridiculous. It was, I found it so funny that they had like, they had a marketing budget for when they would get cease and desist. So they like planned to get them. And I was like, that's, that's hilarious. And then Kryptonics had really good bottle, like those like the tequila mm -hmm. bottle with the wheel. I had a worm in yeah, the wheel. I remember that. I loved all that kind of stuff. So that was really interesting. So I'd like to do more, a few more like, like historical things with blading as well that'd be really interesting yeah you know be cool is there's you got a lot of these blade collectors maybe doing something with those guys mm. or some of the blade yeah. museums like tracy white and there's a guy in the uk yeah you yeah know. yeah billy billy merton has like i'm sure he has like an insane amount of stuff i'm sure actually i think his cabinet might have broke recently because it had so much stuff in it but yeah <laughs> he should have got a new cabinet a long time ago for the overflow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like to finish off my interviews with one question, and that is, what do you love about rollerblading and what's kept you in the sport for so long? I am, <laughs> this is a tightly streamed answer. I like, you know, when you're a kid and you just, I just like skidding around. Like, you know, if you have your shocks on, you just run and you skid on it. That's great. And I still enjoy that today as an adult. Like I wonder how many people who are adults, like, you know, when you go shopping and you've got a shopping trolley and you're going around with it and then you just slightly lift the weight off your feet and like, you can just like skid around. As an adult, I still enjoy that. And rollerblading is a more like acceptable way of doing that. There's more people doing it, getting together. So unless I find a group of people who are going around supermarkets skidding on trolleys together, I'm going to stick with rollerblading. <laughs> you, can you can just take it so far. It's so funny that like, it is fun, and but how far people can take it, I find that's so interesting. Like, we just have these plastic boots, but people have, like, excelled to the point where they're flying, like, downstairs and doing disaster grinds. It's like, wow, like, when you're really dedicated and determined and you put the time in, you can achieve, like, these insane things. And there's such a huge community that do it now. It's like, I just love it. And as a, as a, as a blader, you we'll put it in other extreme sports as well, you start to see the world slightly differently. You like, you see obstacles as like toys and things you can have fun on. You're just like, oh, wow, like I could jump off that and 
fly off this or fly through this thing, jump through the gap in this tree. And that's always gonna that's always gonna be with me. I just I just like that feeling. I guess my dad instilled it in me when I was young, like with surfing, it's that passion to do something that isn't maybe as popular as like everything that's commercial. I love that. I love that I love that feeling. Just like fun and the challenge and dedicating yourself to something. So good. I love grinding. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love you know what I love I just love rolling like you had said I think you really like a big wheel setup just because yeah you could just hit spots like you had mentioned earlier just random transitions on the street and yeah you know flowing um, through the city and you're in a perfect yeah, city for it it's something yeah I definitely I've mentioned it quite a few times more, more recently as well as I get older it's like it's just like fun even just dropping in feels fun yeah you can actually appreciate that and just like gliding around like I love it it's just like the best feeling Awesome. Well, I'm stoked that you're part of the sport. I Thank think you. you've made a really cool contribution to the industry right now. I think with YouTube, like you've hit on a nail with a really cool channel and yeah, I'd like yeah, to see yeah. it grow more. You need to have, you know, a hundred thousand followers. So everyone yeah, you too, man. there's links in the description below to Tom's YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, subscribe to it now. And I want to thank you so much for coming on this show. I'd love to have yeah, you on sure. again in the future. It was really fun chatting with you. Yes, you're wicked. And I look forward to seeing everything you do this, this year. And I look forward to seeing the new project with the clothing and stuff. Like, it sounds exciting. Who you might be working with and yeah, all that yeah. jazz. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so what much you for up? everything. It's <laughs> what you do. Awesome. Oh, hit the microphone. <laughs> Take care. Awesome. That was really good. Thank you for uh, thank you for this opportunity and stuff like that. It was cool. Yeah, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for watching this interview with Tom. I really enjoyed sitting face to face with him and talking for the very first time. He had a lot of cool things to say. He's a very interesting guy. He's such a positive role model. He's funny. I love him to death. I think he's done a great job promoting inline skating on YouTube. He's a positive asset to our sport. He loves blading. He loves the companies, the skaters, the culture, the history. He loves everything about it. So make sure you subscribe to him on YouTube and follow him on social media. I have links to both of those in the description below. And if you like this episode, make sure and hit the like button. Subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. Hit the bell icon to be notified of all new uploads. Leave any comments you might have in the comments area and follow me. On social media, I have links to my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram in the description below, as well as a link to my donation page and my Patreon page, where you can support this channel and receive exclusive content for as little as $3 a month. We have access to photos, videos, and audio not available on this YouTube channel. So check it out. There's a lot of cool things on there right now, and I have a lot more things that will be coming on there soon. Thanks for watching episode 14 of the Dead and Out Blading podcast. Hope to see you very soon for the next episode.